Well, some of you know about our apple tree in our front yard, and some of you don't. I believe, we still don't know exactly what kind of apple it is, but I think it's Gravenstein. I'm gonna to have to have some apple expert come out to our house and figure it out. I don't know Gary if Gary would be able to do that, Lisa, but uh, uh, figure out what this apple, we've, we've been there for 20 years and we still don't know exactly. They're good apples, we like them, very good. But there was one year, uh, uh, the tree needed pruned back. It was, it was looking bad, but not just bad, it was looking dangerous too, because there's some pretty big branches that were just hanging out there. And so uh, I, I called upon Stephanie Frentress at that time, because she was in the yard working and landscaping and stuff like that. And I said, can you come over and check this thing out for us? And my son Jameson was there with us too. And, and um, I said, this just needs to be pruned. And I don't know where to start. And so she goes, okay, well, yeah, we can do this. She got out her big old um, pruning ladder, big old uh, ladder to head out there. And uh, uh, she was got up the ladder and took a look around, started trimming some things, and, and, and I didn't see any difference. And I was like, um, maybe you need to just kind of cut it back or something, guys. It's just huge. And, um, and so she said, well, I don't know. She was a little concerned. I said, just, that's fine. And so Jameson went up with our electric chainsaw very safely. Don't worry, it's very safe. <clears throat> He's still living today, both arms. And uh, he went up there, and he, he said, right here, Dad? I said, yeah, that right there. Go ahead. And he goes, and down comes a big old branch. And I, I could see Stephanie's face. She was like, okay, all right, if that's what you want. <laughs> and we severely pruned. I don't know if it's pruning. I think it was cutting back that apple tree. <clears throat> it, it didn't look very good after we were done with it. <laughs> it looked like stubs. Hanging out in different places of the apple tree. And I, I said, that'll do, because that won't come back in a long time. We won't have to take care of it. Well, little did I know. <laughs> they like those shoots that come up and just go all over the place. Anyway, so they were, it was severely pruned back. And to the dismay of Becky, my wife, <laughs> she loved that apple tree. And uh, when she came home, I said, see, look what we did. Look at that. Isn't that great? And she goes, oh, no, because no more apples. So I said, well, maybe in a year or two. <laughs> but it's, it's pruned. It's trimmed. Anyway, so in true, we did not have apples for about a year on that one, a couple of years. But uh, it slowly came back. And some of you are maybe aware of what happened this summer. Um, the storm came through, winds and stuff like that. It took one of our, a, a big branch that came off the kind of lower part of the trunk, and it was towards our house, and it wasn't on our house, but it came down, and right in front of our house, it just brushed the front part of our roof and all these apples everywhere. It was a lot of weight. So from the time we pruned it, uh, probably three, four years ago, from the time we pruned it, to this time, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm making up for lost time. And it just started making massive apples, huge ones, and uh, each, each, each summer. And then this last summer, it was just so many apples on it and so many shooters there coming on up. They were straight up, but when the apples got on, they were like, ooh, and they were hanging down and that way. Those kind of snapped a bit. And so, yeah, we didn't take care of that apple tree. We, I didn't take care of that apple tree very well after, after that severe pruning. 
but uh, the weight of those apples are just, it was just bringing a lot of the, the, the limbs down. And uh, the thing about it is that if it, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pointing at Lisa because she knows these things. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, pruning the apple tree probably caused a lot of other fruit to come on later on and a massive amount of fruit. And I know there's the, the blossoms and pollination and all that stuff as well too. But anyway, it had a, a lot of fruit this uh, summer. And so a bunch of br branches have uh, broken off and but a huge amount of apples. We had been filling our, our uh, yard bin each week and it wasn't even touching the apples around there. So it was crazy. It's slowing down now a little bit, but uh, sometimes when you, you, when you prune something back, it's for the better because then later on, there's a ton of fruit that's gonna come on and uh, be ready <laughs> because you'll, you'll see what happens. But uh, we are in a series today, though, of messages entitled Rooted, where we are learning to grow deep and live strong. And as our roots go, go deeper in our relationship with Jesus, we live stronger in our walk with Jesus. And the verse for this series of messages comes from Psalm, chapter, the Psalm 1, verse 3, that describes a person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of, of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, a person who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And that's the verse for this series that we've been talking about of Rooted. And last week we talked about growth and how it, uh, how it is God who brings growth, and how we can all play a part in that process. And today, we'll be looking at another aspect of growth called pruning. Pruning, as defined by Webster, says to trim a tree, shrub, or bush by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. Now, as far as our apple tree, that second part is true. The first part I don't think is true as far as pruning our apple tree. Uh, we whacked that thing back. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, whether they're overgrown branches or not, <laughs> dead or not. But uh, so maybe we pruned it. I don't know. By this definition, maybe not. But anyway, pruning needs, though, to happen for plants, for trees and, and bushes in order to increase the growth and fruitfulness and the same is to be said about God and what He does to make us grow spiritually and produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He wants to prune us back in some areas. And for us, it might seem a little radical. We might feel the pain of that pruning. We might question, why? Why would you want to take that away? And so we might question God in some things, but you know what? He knows what He's doing. And a natural part of an organic relationship with God is the process of pruning. Just as a plant is healthier after pruning and has revitalized growth, so a Christian experiences growth when unhealthy areas of their lives are trimmed or thinned. Though the process can be painful in the moment, the outcome is, is, is beautiful and divine. And as a follower of Jesus, we must see God's work in our lives as something that has our best in mind and His glory at stake. 
Now, like many aspects of our faith journey, pruning isn't always easy. Maybe you're in process of that. God is pruning back some things in your life. But it's necessary in order for healthy new growth to occur. occur. So to frame our, our, our time today, we'll be drawing from Jesus' words found in John chapter 15, the first five verses. We'll be looking at that, and it'll be on the screen behind me as well. John chapter 15, starting with verse 1. I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We'll stop right there at that verse. So let me share with you today some observations found in this portion of Scripture as it relates to God's pruning in our lives. And, and then I'll follow up with that, uh, follow that up with uh, how we can apply this to our lives as well. First of all, as we look at this portion of Scripture, an observation you might be able to find out here in verse 1 is that God's got a green thumb. God's got a green thumb. He knows what's going on. You've met people like that before. They touch a plant and it just all of a sudden starts blossoming. <laughs> they, you give them a dead plant and they can revive it in no, no uh, short order. It, it, they are able to do that. But two things are communicated in the, ver in the first verse here of chapter 15. First, Jesus makes it clear that He is the vine. He wants the listener to understand there is no life apart from Him. We have a, a, a purple clematis. I'm not sure what it's called, but it's beautiful. It's ones that have kind of like a grape-like flowers on it. And so those of you who know those things, you probably can tell me later what the name of it is. But it's a purple clematis. I just know it's beautiful. And I also know that it is getting out of control. <laughs> It's over an arch that I, well, not really an arch, kind of a trellis thing that's above a gate from our fence that uh, I constructed up there. And then we put the, the clematis up through, and it was kind of entwining through, and we'd all continue to train it, get the vines through there and all that. And the thing has decided after, oh, I don't know how many years, maybe 20 years, it has decided that it wants to turn itself around and come up, and it likes going towards our house. And I said, nope, and I cut that off. But then it likes to go towards this uh, willow tree that we have, or that we don't, our neighbor has. <laughs> and it grabbed some branches, and it just went, woohoo and started climbing right up to the top. You didn't notice at first until it started blossoming. <laughs> you look up and go, wow, that tree is purple. <laughs> it's got blossoms up in that tree. Oh, no, that's our neighbor's tree. Yee! So uh, uh, the thing that really quickly took care of it was I found the main arterial, uh, and I just went and snip it. And then later on, no more blossoms. <laughs> it cut it. It uh, cut off the source there, and by doing that, it could not grow. It could not live apart from 
the main source, that plant was not living from there, from that cut on. Just as all the nutrients needed for that plant to grow and travel through the roots to the limbs by the trunk or the stem, so all, all we need for life, life to the full, comes by and through Jesus. And if we're cut off from Jesus, man, there's no life. The second thing about this is that the one who is responsible for cultivating the growth in the lives of people is God. God is in control of that. There's no other being who is more qualified to oversee the growth process than the one who is the author of life in the first place. He's created you. He knows what you need. He knows you inside and out. He provides each day what you need in your life. God is a, a, a divine gardener, and he is, an, he is an expert at facilitating growth. Now, sometimes you might question it as he's pruning you back a bit, and you're thinking, well, are you sure you want to make that cut? Because that, that doesn't seem right. That, that's going to be painful. Uh, and, and God knows what he's doing, and we need to keep that in mind. He's, he's an expert at facilitating growth. And these two things are incredibly important to keep in mind as we talk about pruning. It's crucial to remember who is behind it all and that God, the divine gardener, has the bigger picture in mind. And keep that, that you've got to remember that in the pruning process, it's always about the big picture later on, what this plant needs to look like later on, what we need, who we need to be later on as God's continued to prune us and help us. Another observation here uh, from these verses, elimination and cultivation is a gentle art. Elimination and cultivation is a gentle art. Think back to our definition of pruning, to trim by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. One of the main jobs of a gardener is to remove dead, fruitless, or broken limbs from a plant. And we've got a bunch, and I'm ashamed to say this, but we've got a bunch of rose bushes in our backyard that have not seen a, a pruning shear in a long time. And so they are kind of all over the place. And uh, I keep on looking back at them going, oh, I've got to get to that sometime. Oh, got to get to that sometime. Oh, and I, that's all I say, and I don't get to it. But... Uh, one of the main jobs, though, is to re uh, for a gardener is to remove that dead and fruitless and broken limbs from a plant. And those rose bushes need that help because they're, you know, they, they, they blossom, they bloom, and beautiful roses. And once the roses are done, they die off. And then there's just a dead area that gets cut off, pruned off, then more growth happens. And so, uh, and, it, it, and you can shape it and make it look beautiful and, and, and all that. But, uh, Often a plant will be hindered by a dead portion of its branches because that dead portion just gets in the way. The ice storm that we had a couple of years ago, there's some dead branches I still see around some of the trees here in Happy Valley, and I'm thinking how much that is probably getting in the way of some of the growth there of those trees. And it, it, they brought down a lot of the branches, though, in the, the ice storm. And, um, and our apple tree has some those dead branches from all the weight on those, uh, those suckers that just kind of like this, and they're just split and hanging, well, on top of other branches. And uh, um, I got to get, get taken care of that apple tree. I feel like I'm abusing this apple tree as I'm describing what's going on with this thing. <clears throat> but, uh, 
But there are dead branches there that need to be removed as well, too, for that apple tree to be able to grow and into a healthy, fruitful tree next summer. Sometimes a plant will waste energy and nutrients to help branches that don't produce any fruit. And so by cutting off that dead portion, then the energy goes to more of the plant and, and produces fruit in other ways. And in our lives, we often have similar areas that are, that are hindrances to us. It may be sin that needs to be removed. It may be, uh, it may be discipline in our lives that we need to accept. It may even be, be something good in our lives that is distracting us from something great. You got something good going on. <clears throat> but God is saying, what about this great thing? I can do so much more if you just let go of this. Because <laughs> we think we got it all right here, and God's going, oh, that's cute. I got something better here. <laughs> let me take care of this. The gardener will prune these things that we might have a better opportunity to grow. And we've told our kids before as well, and we still tell our kids as adults, we say, don't settle for good. Go for best. Don't just do good. It's good, better, best. Don't settle for good. And God will help you get to better and best. And don't settle until you get to the best. And, and so in our lives as Christians, we need to also, too, not settle for good. God knows what He's doing in the pruning process. He wants you to go from good to better to best. And for that to happen, we've got to allow Him to do the pruning in our lives that needs to happen in that way. But if the earthly gardener is interested in fruitfulness and healthy growth, just imagine how much more so the divine gardener cultivator of the entire universe, is an inter he's interested in the same thing in us. He wants to produce that growth in us. So elimination cultivation is a gentle art that God excels in. Keep that in mind as you're going through the pruning process. Another observation here, too, uh, I want to bring out to you is that less is more. <laughs> less is more. It has no bearing on this, just a funny little thing. We were, I, I was down in um, Fresno for a evangelism explosion training uh, numbers of years, over 20 years ago. And uh, down there, the, the, the big church there, People's Church, had training going on. And one of the trainers that led one of the groups, his name was Lester Moore. <laughs> and he knew it. You know, he's, yeah, I've heard it before. Less more, yeah, yeah. And so he'd say, yeah, less is more. <laughs> anyway, that comes to my mind when I hear that phrase a lot. And so I just had to get it out and share it with you. Thank you for letting me do that. But anyway, less is more. Less is more. The pruning that God does in our lives is not because He's angry with us and that He wants to punish us. Actually, it's quite the opposite. According to Hebrews, there is a race that has been marked out for us that results in a heavenly place a heavenly prize. In order to run this race, we'll, we'll, we will have to uh, remove those things that will disqualify or hinder us from reaching the, the finish line. And so uh, Hebrews 12 verse 1 tells us about that. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This isn't an easy and comfortable process. But in the end, as the things are removed that aren't healthy for us, we find something more from life 
that could not have been found without the pruning. So less does become more. Have you had to give up something or leave something behind in your pursuit of discipleship? Was there a moment where God said, yeah, you know, we, we need to remove this. We need to take care of this. this. This is probably good, but it's not best. I remember um, my Christian walk early on, um, I had a lot of different um, music artists that I followed before I was a Christian. And I enjoyed the music that I listened to. But uh, when I became a Christian, I just felt the need. I thought, Man, I, this just doesn't match up with what God says in His Word. And if I'm listening to these things, how can it work with my relationship with Christ? And so I came to a point where I, I felt I, just, I needed to leave the secular music behind. I needed to focus more on Christian music. Music that would lift my spirit, lift me towards God and and keep my focus on God in that way. And uh, it, it was just the question that was in my heart from God, do you love this more than me? Do you love this music, the secular music, more than me? And I had to make a choice that he presented. And some pruning going on <laughs> was going on right here. And so I, I needed to uh, make a choice there. And God replaced it, though. Once I made a decision, say, okay, yep. And, and so I, had, I got rid of... <laughs> A lot of tapes, cassette tapes back then, uh, a few records. I look back on and go, ooh, wow, those records might be worth something now. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Get rid of some of those things <clears throat> and get it removed because it just had to be pruned out of my life. So not to go from good to get, get to better, to finally reach best, those things had to happen. And so uh, doing that, I, I, it was painful because <laughs> I like the music. It's stuff I kind of knew, is familiar with. But the thing is, God replaced it with other Christian musicians that were very similar to those other ones. And then I got to liking those. And, and pretty much, uh, you know, all the music for the Christian music was pointing me to God. And pretty much, I, I didn't have the need for any other kind of music. It was, it was you know, I, I didn't need to have that. Now, I, I'll still listen to some songs every now and then. Maybe there's a, one that comes on the radio or whatever. But it's not something like, oh, I wish I could go back to that music. Eh. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need it. And so uh, it's interesting how less truly becomes more when we allow God to prune back those things and we can enter into a, 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 a next step in our relationship with God, to allow Him to prune in our lives and take away some things to provide more. Another, another uh, observation here from John chapter 15 um, is that a healthy connection to the vine will produce good fruit. A healthy connection to the vine will produce good fruit. Kind of makes common sense. But a Christian is someone whose strength comes by living in connection to Jesus. If you're not connected thoroughly, deeply with Jesus in your walk, you're going to feel it. You're going to notice it. You're going to notice in the fruit that, that's being produced in your life. Galatians chapter 5 speaks about those nine fruit or, or products of the Spirit that should be a part of our lives. In Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And think for a moment. 
about the fruits listed in this passage in Galatians. These are areas that most every believer has some desire to grow in. Love, (laughs) joy, patience, definitely, peace. Who doesn't want peace in their lives? Kindness, being good and have goodness in your life, definitely. Faithful, being gentle, (laughs) having self-control, all these things a Christian should yearn for. And the only way this fruit is able to grow day to day in our lives is for us to remain connected to Jesus through full surrender and unwavering faithfulness. As we remain connected, that divine gardener, God, prunes away the, the unhealthy and fruitless parts of our lives. We need to remain in Him. Remain in Him through adversity. There's going to be some tough times coming your way if you aren't already in some tough times. Remain in Him through those trials and through those hardships. Remain connected to the vine. And remember, apart from Him, you can do nothing. Nothing. So the key to spiritual fruitfulness is abiding in Christ. Now, those are some observations, but let me turn the corner a little bit now and show you something that will help us apply this to our lives. Uh, Basically, the idea of partnering with God in the pruning process. Did you know you could do that? You can partner with God in the pruning process. Do you want to do that? (laughs) Probably a better question. But did you know, though, that you can partner with God in that pruning process? And I'm not talking about the pruning process of your friend or spouse. (laughs) Yeah, I'll help you, God. (laughs) Well, let's prune them away. All right. No, yourself. Yourself, of course. And the way to partner with God in the pruning process is to recognize what needs to be pruned out of your life and proactively take action yourself. Now, there's things, of course, God will take care of, but there are other things that we can be responsible for and take action. We should want to produce abundant spiritual fruit. We should want to remove the things that that hold us back. We should, as Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. We should want to do those things, get free of that, so we can run this race effectively. Now, how can we partner with God in this pruning process and move towards spiritual fruitfulness? Let me share with you some steps that will get you there. And if you take these steps, and it's like seven steps to golden happiness with God. No, it's just something to consider as you go through. And it's a kind of a common sense steps forward. The first one, the steps to spiritual fruitfulness, First one, though, is to examine your life. Examine your life. Do it on a regular basis. You must critically and honestly examine your life. And throughout Scripture, we are told to do that and, and see if we match up with what God desires in us. We need to identify the worldly weeds in our lives that are, that are choking out our fruitfulness. Don't let the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches choke us spiritually causing us to forget God's Word and quench God's Spirit who dwells within us. Identify the distractions in your life that interfere with your spiritual growth and service. Remember that we are servants. We are servants of the Almighty God, eliminating anything that would keep us from serving Him with all our heart and soul. We need to be careful to love the Lord our God and walk in all His ways and 
serve him with all our hearts and souls. So examine your life so that you can see if there's something going on here that isn't quite right that needs to be removed. So that's the first step. The second step then, once you examine your life and something is found, confess any sin. Confess any sin. God knows our hearts better than we do because we deceive ourselves. <laughs> Jeremiah 17 talks about how the heart is deceitful. God knows everything we think, everything we do, everything we say. He knows what's going on. We can't hide anything from Him. So confession is just admitting the sinful truth about ourselves to God, who already knows. He's kind of like, eh, it's about time. <laughs> been waiting, been waiting. But confession begins in the heart. It begins with God's Word. It begins with His Spirit revealing your sin to you and being humble enough to agree with God. Yeah, I see that, God. I, I'm, hmm, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, or, or yeah, that, that habit in my life does need to be taken care of. I, yeah, I see that, God. And 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the third step in this, once you've confessed your sin, it should normally come, like breathing in and breathing out, confessing your sin, repent. <laughs> repent. Confession is different. Repent is, is another thing from that. Repent and remove. Repent of any routine or habitual sins in your life and remove them. Have them removed. Confession of sin should naturally lead to genuine repentance from sin. It just should. We don't just look at, you don't go to the doctor. If I went to Moses and he said, you know, Jim, you needed to get this taken care of. This needs to be, okay, thank you, Moses. Uh, um, thanks for the uh, idea. Um, and you go on your way and I don't do anything about it. That's silly. I mean, he, he pointed out something that needs to happen. I don't do it. The same thing with God when he points something out to us. We can confess it. Go, okay, you're right. You're right. There's something wrong here. But if we don't repent of it, that's ridiculous. You're just living with that problem and not doing anything about it. Repent and remove. When we agree that what we say and do are sinful and grieve God, it should break our hearts and make us want to change. We should want to turn from our sin and abandon anything that poisons us, rather, poisons us in our relationship with God who created us and redeemed us. If you identify any weeds or distractions in your life that hinder your service for God or your relationship with Him, then you need to have them removed. They need to be taken care of by the master gardener that can do that. So you repent, have it removed. A fourth step in this then is to ditch, and, uh, ditch the doubtful. Ditch the doubtful. The Bible doesn't provide specific instructions for every situation. In these cases, even sincere Christians may disagree about what is acceptable. There might be some gray areas there. You should never violate your conscience, though. If you believe it's wrong, don't do it. If you believe there's nothing wrong with it, don't worry about it. But you should also be willing to give some things up for the benefit of others. If it doesn't bother you... But if you do those things in front of someone else whose conscience will be bothered, step back from what you're doing because showing love to those around you if they can't, if they stumble from that. So there's some things here to keep in mind about 
about all this. Ultimately, it is better to sacrifice things that might be permissible than to do something you think may be wrong. Unless you are fully convinced that something is acceptable, it is wrong for you to do. Don't do it. If you want to do something but have doubts about it, then study it out. Take a look at God's Word. Find out, do some search, word studies, whatever it is. Pray about it, though, and seek godly counsel. In areas that God, God's Word doesn't really speak upon directly or whatever, you might need some help from other people to guide you in this. But don't do it unless you are fully convinced that it is, it's acceptable, whatever this thing you might be considering doing. Never violate your conscience. So ditch the doubtful. <laughs> if, make sure you follow that type of line. Another step in all this is to diminish distractors. Diminish distractors. Identify any areas in your life where you often invest excessive time, energy, or attention. Now, probably stepping on some toes here, but whatever that might be in your life where you invest excessive time, and you can ask your good friend or your spouse about that, what, what areas in my life am I spending excessive time in? And God will help you figure that out through that person you ask. But these, these things might not be bad or sinful, but they can become idols if you love them more than God. So even good things can be, a, can be bad if they keep you from doing what is best. So hobbies, sports, entertainment usually fall into this category. They may be good in moderation, but can be overdone. Even family and friends and work can interfere with your with your fruitfulness. So you don't have to cut these, these things out of your life entirely, but you may need to trim some of them back a bit. But that's between you and God, what, how He wants to prune you in that way. A next step in this then, <clears throat> something to consider, and, and, and maybe a little difficult to do, filter your friends. Filter your friends. See, you become like those you spend time with. You become like those you spend time with. Now, this doesn't include those relationships you're trying to show God's love to. It's not those relationships where you're trying to get in and maybe disciple or evangelize or somehow show God's love in whatever way. It might be a neighbor that's cantankerous and, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of time with them because you might feel the same way. But you're trying to help that person see God in you. I'm not talking about those relationships. I'm talking about those friends, that, those who, who you would spend a lot of time with, that you'd want to spend time with, and, and are influenced by as well. Are your friends helping you grow spiritually or hindering you? What are your, your friends like? Do, do they love God or do they love the world more? Do they talk about spiritual things or the things of the world more? Do they want to please God or do they want to please their peers? Are they seeking spiritual fruit or worldly pleasure? Questions to help you be able to filter your friends, whatever they might be. Now, some of you might have some long-time friends, and I'm not saying dump them, but I'm saying, well, maybe God can use you to influence them as well, too. However God is speaking to you about that, that's a tough one sometimes, but uh, um, seek God's guidance in that one. And then uh, one final step in this. 
Replace what you remove. Replace what you remove. Most of what we do is habitual and breaking habits is hard, <laughs> hard to do. And as the saying goes, nature abhors a vacuum. There's nothing there. It's going to be filled with something. If you want to succeed in removing something bad from your life, it's important to replace it with something good. This applies to habits and friends, anything you try to prune from your life. Be able to replace it with what would be pleasing to God. Philippians 4.8 would be a good filter to take that through. After all, the whole reason for removing sin and distractions and negative influence from your life is to make room for better things. Remember, good, better, best. And so it's to free up your time and energy for godly habits and interests. The goal of this pruning is to increase your, your spiritual fruitfulness by becoming more like Jesus. So replace the things you remove with fruitful activities that will please and honor God. Don't just leave it vacant because something's going to fill that up. Make sure it's something that pleases God and honors Him. So spiritual growth does not and cannot happen by accident. It needs to be on purpose. <laughs> the Christian life is a process that we enter into when the seed of the gospel is planted and we open up our lives to God. To grow in faith takes intentional effort, a fierce determination, and the unquenchable grace of God. And it's true that God loves us just the way we are. That's true. But He loves us way too much to let us stay that way. <laughs> he wants you to grow. He refuses to leave you that way, and that's why He prunes. God is the divine gardener who has our spiritual growth as His ultimate goal. He will use anything in our lives to shape us into the people that He wants us to be. And if there's something in our lives that is unhealthy for us, God will want to prune it. And if there is something in our lives that is good but not the best, God will want to prune it. Be ready. Be ready. We must make a conscious decision to welcome God's pruning in our lives by joining Him in actively seeking out areas of our lives that He would like to effectively change. So let me ask you, what are, what are some specific, specific areas of your life that could use some pruning to allow for healthy growth to happen? Has the Holy Spirit been tapping on the shoulder a little bit about these things right now? What are some areas that, that need to be completely lopped off for the sake of future growth? <laughs> Our poor, poor apple tree. But man, all the apples that we're getting, incredible. Are there areas in the past that you now recognize God pruned away in order for healthy new growth to occur? Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you see, back here, where you were like, what is going on? How come these things are happening? God was in it, pruning you, shaping you to bring you to a point right now in your growth as a follower of Jesus. Maybe it, is God already in the process of pruning you? and you need to abide and obey. Maybe you're in the process right now, and it's not fun. Stuff like that is never fun. It's hard. But it's so good because God knows what you need, and He is the master gardener who knows what you need and can prune you to a way where it will go from good 
to better, to best. So trust that God knows what He's doing. And even though the process of pruning can be painful, it will also be fruitful in the hands of the divine gardener. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know, our deepest desire is to grow in our relationship with you. We want that to happen. So, Lord, I pray that you just search our hearts, that you would know our minds, and, Lord, that you would remove those things that will cause us harm, not only to ourselves, but our relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that your work in our lives will cause us to be faithful followers of you. And Lord, I pray that our roots will grow deep into your love and give us a solid foundation for our lives. Heavenly Father, if there's someone here today that is going through the pruning process, strengthen them, Lord. Give them a a comfort and a peace knowing that you are in control. Though it's painful now, you are pruning us to a point where, where we need to be. So, Lord, I pray that we would just trust in you in that pruning process. Lord, maybe you've just already tapped us on the shoulder today about some things that need to be taken care of. Lord, I pray that during this time, we would do business with you. We would open up our lives in a way where we would say, yes, you're right, Lord. This does need to be taken care of. Will you please do that now? Will you begin the process now? And no matter how much we might scream or kick our legs or whatever, keep pruning, Lord. I would pray that as we go through this process, that we would just keep our eyes upon you. And thank you, Lord, that you know what's best for us, no matter how painful it might be for us. We love you, Lord, and we just thank you for what you're trying to do in our lives and what the end result will be for us. We want to grow closer to you. We want our relationship to grow deep in you and our roots to grow deep in your love. So I pray, Lord, that as we are here today in prayer, we need to do business with you. Altar's open. We can do it right there where we're at in the pews as well, too. But I pray that we would spend time with you, Lord, right now. If you've spoken to our hearts, that we would be ready to act in obedience. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.